From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive, Monday edition. It is great to be on with you. I am Joe McLean, the host of the Monday version of the program. Dave Palmer, my colleague, hosts the uh, Friday version. We've got a great program lined up for you today. I hope your hope your weekend was well. I hope it was restful. A lot of uh, turbulence on the GRN front over the weekend. But praise be to Jesus Christ, we will persevere in all things through Christ our Lord. And uh, so today on the program... By sheer coincidence, I promise you. Oh, before I begin, let me just say, I apologize for interrupting the Holy Mass. Uh, that is not what we typically do, but because of the way our automated systems work on the back end, today we just weren't able to avoid that. So uh, let me uh, apologize up front for interrupting Holy Mass. It just uh, it, it just had to be what it was. At any rate, uh, on the program today, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers will be our guest, uh, previously scheduled. And um, he had a powerful powerful homily over the weekend um, about choosing Christ above all things, about allowing Christ to be the, the, the lens through which we see everything on planet Earth. And it was really touching in, in penetrating words, and I would encourage you to check out his YouTube channel, uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers' YouTube channel, to uh, hear that homily for yourself. But he'll be talking about that in light of... Uh, Racial injustice and in light of unrest in our society, you know, the Catholic lens. He's going to give us some perspective on that through yesterday's Gospel, Matthew chapter 10. Also on the program uh, here, uh, before we end up at the bottom of the hour and before we go to break and talk to Deacon Harold, we'll have just a few minutes with uh, Patrick Von Dolan from the San Antonio Family Association. They've got a, a petition going around that they're going to be turning in over, I think, tomorrow uh, about the... the the Columbus statue there. So we'll talk to him about that initiative, what that means, because there's a couple of stories in the in the headlines from over the weekend that I want to touch on in the show about uh, you know Bishop Archbishop Corleone in San Francisco, uh, there at the site of where the uh, Saint Junipero Serra statue was toppled, and the uh, defenders of Saint Louis the Ninth statue in Saint Louis. We'll touch on those. Plus, Teresa Camara's here with some pro-life news. There's some good news there. Uh, Tim Mott's got the headlines. David Magianis is running the board, and Adrian Fonseca, our, uh, <clears throat> let's just say, beloved intern, who's leaving us, departing us for the Dominicans, is, is still with us for the next couple of weeks anyway. So let's begin with prayer, and then we'll dive into it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Timot. Good morning. These are your GRN headlines for Monday, June 29th. The total COVID-19 cases worldwide are at 10.15 million, with uh, deaths worldwide at half a million. Total recoveries worldwide, 5 million. A federal judge on Friday ruled that New York must allow indoor and outdoor religious services in the same way it would allow outdoor mass protests or indoor shopping malls. Judge Gary Sharp of the Northern District of New York said that the state cannot limit outdoor religious services during the pandemic, provided that attendees follow social distancing requirements. For indoor services, he said the state has to make the same allowances for churches as it does for other businesses. In Ireland, churches and other places of worship are granted an exception to the country's Phase 3 coronavirus reopening. The exception was announced on Thursday evening. Prime Minister Tishek Leo Varadkar said that houses of worship would not be subjected to the same indoor gathering rules and would be permitted to police their own congregations in line with social distancing norms. 
Tennessee lawmakers passed a bill last week that contains multiple restrictions on abortion, including banning the procedure after both 6 and 20 weeks, banning abortions based on the race or sex of an unborn child, and a ban based on a prenatal Down Down syndrome diagnosis. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, a supporter of the legislation, has indicated he will sign it into law. During an interview on EWTN Pro-Life Weekly, State Representative Susan Lynn, a sponsor of the bill, says that it is designed to stand up to court challenges. It uses a quote-unquote ladder approach of multiple limits, so if the court strikes down the heartbeat ban portion, the remaining bans will remain in place. In Missouri, the Missouri Health Department issued a license to the state's only abortion clinic on Thursday. This, the abortion clinic's license had been revoked a year ago over regulators' concerns about health and safety problems at the clinic. Father Stephen Schumacher, a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Louis, was among the defenders of a prominent statue of the city's namesake as protesters called for its removal on Saturday. Umar Lee, an organizer of the protest, said June 27th that the statue, quote, is going to come down, reported Joel Courier of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Lee said that the statue, quote, represents hate and we're trying to create a city of love, end quote. Father Schumacher, whose priestly ordination was in May of last year, addressed a shouting mob attempting to inform them about St. Louis' life, saying that St. Louis was a man who willed to use his kingship to do good for his people. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, June 29th. Back to Joe. St. Peter and St. Paul pray for us. Today is their feast day, and they uh, they, they tend to uh, enjoy their feast days together, and there's a reason for that. You know, as a Protestant growing up, I was led to believe, and maybe you could argue probably rightly so, that a lot of it's my own fault for not diving deep enough into sacred scripture and, and the tradition of the church, uh, that I believe there was a separation between Peter and Paul. And I can remember movies that were produced on the subject that really made this tension, this uh, sort of idea that there was tension between St. Peter and Paul, and actually nothing further could be true, you know. So uh, the reality is there was no daylight between these two men. They were tight. In fact, when you look at the uh, the book of Acts, uh, St. Luke's book of Acts, and you you can see the clear parallels. The book is bro- basically broken up into two halves. The first half is all St. Peter. The second half is all St. Paul. And then you can notice these parallels between these two halves. They're arrested, they're miraculously released, they heal people, they preach the good news. And if I'm not mistaken, Peter was the first one to visit a Gentile and to baptize and to call for a confirmation. And so when Paul receives the call post-resurrection, he does not go to just anybody for confirmation. He goes to Peter himself. And he is confirmed by the chief of, among the apostles. In fact, throughout their life, they visit uh, the same cities. And uh, Rome is their final destination. And, you know, part of the mistake is thinking that uh, Paul, uh, you know, when we get, get to the end of the book of Acts, we think that that's where his life ended right there. That's actually not true. He was released from prison. He goes on to uh, Spain and back to visit some of his other uh, uh, locations where he had uh, previously planted the community and built up the priesthood and the, and the sacraments before he returns to Rome and they are arrested. They are swept up in Nero's persecution in the mid-60s, both he and Peter. Now, uh, there is a, an old tradition in Rome that says that when uh, when the persecution was coming and the arrests were imminent, Peter tried to flee the city. And as he was on the outskirts of Rome, he encountered our Lord and Savior Jesus walking in the opposite direction. And he says, where are you going, Lord? And the Lord says to Peter, to to be crucified again because you won't. Let that sink in. So Peter, <laughs> recalling the words of our Lord on the beach in front of the coals of fire and the fish, if you love me, feed my sheep three times in repentance for his acquiescing to the pressure of the mob there at the uh, at the trial of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's amazing when you look at the parallels there too between Peter and Paul. The when they are both arrested and and uh, pressured by the mob, how do they react? Peter caved in and denied our Lord three times. Or Paul never does that actually. <laughs> In fact, I think it was in Ephesus, uh, is it uh, chapter 19 or 21? I, it's like it's chapter 19 in the uh, book of Acts. You know, in Ephesus, it's like, oh, there's a riot. Well, let me go in the middle of them and try to convince them. And they're like, no, you're not going in there. Are you out of your mind? No, you can't go. And they would refuse to let Paul go into the midst of the mob and their outrage. And yet, our, all the way to the end, our Lord gives Peter time and time again an opportunity 
to, uh, to make that decision, to come back to and through repentance and humility, to make that choice for Christ. And ultimately, Peter makes that right choice, and he is crucified upside down there in uh, on the Vatican Hill there. And that is why he is still buried up there. And that is why we, there's an obelisk that's marked the spot there where there was, uh, there was, uh, you know, an arena there and they used to have these games, these violent chariot racing games right there. And, uh, that obelisk marks that spot. But on top of that obelisk, which is a pagan symbol, is the cross. Because it is the cross of Christ that, uh, has defeated Satanism and paganism and worldly idolatry. It is the cross of Christ that is the lens through which we see the world, and that's why Deacon Harold will be our guest today to talk about that, because yesterday's homily was that, that was amazing that he gave on Matthew chapter 10. So we celebrate today's feast of St. Peter and Paul, but I want to dive into really quickly, very, very quickly here, the story that, uh, that Tim mentioned in uh, St. Louis about this young priest, this incredible priest, Father Schumacher uh, from the uh, diocese there in St. Louis, who, along with some lay people defended the statue of St. Louis the Ninth. Now, here's the thing. The, the protesters claimed that St. Louis represents, uh, you know, a racism and oppression. And is that true? Well, Father Schumacher tried to convince them otherwise by teaching them actual history, but they didn't want to hear it. When he said, you can go to the cathedral and learn it for yourself, they said, we'll burn that down too. Is that okay with you? Burning... Destroying? I don't think so. Uh, but here's the actual story of St. Louis the Ninth. He was 11 years old when he uh, had to become king in France because his father died. 11. Could you imagine? 11 years old? You know, here's the deep end of the pool. Ignore the sharks. Jump in. They won't bite if, if you ignore them, right? Good luck. That's not how it works. Could you imagine the pressure, the political meandering and maneuvering amongst the, the rich, the wealthy, the nobles, the power makers to, uh, to try to steal and grab power? Could you imagine that? This is what his mother said about St. Louis IX. Quote, I would rather see you dead at my feet than guilty of a mortal sin. Unquote. Let that sink in about the the priorities that this heroic saintly mother gave to her son, who has a most difficult job of becoming and growing up and being king of France in a time that was very tumultuous, the uh, 13th century. But let me read just a few really quick snippets from his uh, his last dying letter. Uh, as he was on his deathbed, he gave this letter to his son. You can you can find it. I today I'm taking my sample from the Seattle Catholic website, SeattleCatholic.com. Uh, but it's Posted in several places around the internet, and you can find various translations of it. But uh, there's some notable quotes from this letter that he sent to his son as his last words to his son, who would now become king of France. Quote, fair son, the first thing I would teach thee is to set thine heart to love God, for unless he love God, none can be saved. Keep thyself from doing aught that is displeasing to God. That is to say, from mortal sin. Counterwise, thou should suffer every manner of torment torment, rather than commit a mortal sin. Will those be your dying words to your children? That no matter what, don't commit mortal sin. Nothing is as important as remaining in a state of grace. Will those be your dying words? Those were the dying words of St. Louis the Ninth. But he goes on to say, quote, And pray to God with thy heart and with thy lips, and especially at Mass. When the consecration takes place, let thy heart be tender and full of pity towards those who are poor, miserable, and afflicted, and comfort them to the utmost of thy power. Does this sound like a man who oppressed the poor? Those were his dying words to his son, to care for those that had uh, that, that needed and deserved justice. He cared for them. He did so with his very own life. In fact, St. Louis would often open his palace up and bring in the homeless and feed them by his own hand, wash their feet by his own hand. He would often hear the cases of those people who deserved and seeked for justice. He would hear them. He would sit under a tree and he would receive them and he would try to impart justice where it was needed. He goes on to say, quote, use diligence to have good provosts and bailiffs. Think police officers here. Use good, use diligence to have good provosts and bailiffs and inquire often of them and of those of thy household how they conduct themselves. And if there be found in them any vice of inordinate covetousness or falsehood or trickery, 
Labor to free thy land from all vile iniquity, and especially strike down with all power, evil swearing, and heresy. See to it that the expense of thy household be reasonable. I'll let you read the rest. It's powerful. You should read the whole thing. I highly encourage it. But does that sound like a man who would... uh you know, take advantage of the poor, the weak, people of color even. But he fought in the Crusades, Joe. Yes, he did. Why? Because the Muslims had ransacked, ransacked the Holy Land and North Africa and committed many vile acts of atrocity on the people who live there, the people of color who live there. And by the way, look up Darfur. That's still happening. Those aren't, you know, uh, the, the the racial conversation that we have. I think King, King Louis the Ninth, Saint Louis the Ninth, gives us a Catholic perspective, and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers is also going to give us a Catholic perspective on a very difficult conversation, a very contentious and uh, and troubling conversation in these days. I think it's the Catholic perspective above all that we should uh, have. So I will uh, defer to him uh, to give us more insight on that. King Louis the Ninth, pray for us. And with that, Teresa Kamar, HoustonCoalition.com. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad that you started off with that, the topic about the statue and, and giving us a history. I think that's really going to be the key is teaching that history right now and um, just paying attention to which statues that they're taking down. Because, I mean, with the attack on the Lincoln statue uh, regarding I, yeah. the Emancipation Proclamation, you, I mean, come on. So, like, really? The, the, first, so, the first donation for that particular statue uh-huh. was donated by a freed Sla- slave woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Her first $5 from her uh, having gotten a job and saved up, her first 5 bucks were towards uh, making that statue. Absolutely. And the thing is, we have uh, a president right now who has issued an executive order as of Friday that says that if federal statues are not protected and uh, by municipalities, by states, then he will remove the federal funding going to them and if to those locations. And if they do protect them, these federally um, approved statues of these these places that honor our country and our co- country's history, then he will send more money to be able to protect them. So um, that is a good sign and a good step forward. I have to issue an apology real quick. About the same kind of... T- yeah. So to yeah, Archbishop like- Corleone. So last week I talked about the St. Hennepin Serra statues and I was, you know, I was fired up because St. Hennepin Serra is an incredible saint for mm-hmm. our church and Pope Francis and his... Uh, in his uh, office of uh, being the the chief among the apostles, has uh, given us this incredible saint, and to tear him down as if he is a perpetrator of evil, he wasn't. And so uh, I was so fired up, and I was I was kind of mad at Archbishop Corleone because he wrote a letter, he wrote a statement. And I'm like, that's not good enough. We need more. We need more courageous leadership. You know, praise be to Jesus. Like lay folk and the clergy together. Let's do this. Well, I have to say, mea culpa and beg forgiveness because he he really showed up. Uh huh. He yes, came. He, did. he came out and he uh, he prayed the Holy Rosary at the site. Uh-huh. He led he led the Rosary. He said exorcism prayers in Latin. Wow, incense, I did not know that. Holy water. I knew he was out there. <laughs> I mean, he he rocked it, and the yeah. people were, and the people came out with him, and I, I was very impressed. And uh, praise be to and Jesus. And that is a beautiful, a symbol and an action of leadership from our bishops, along yeah. with um, just a big thank you over to Kenyan bishops across the sea. Uh, so thank you, um, thank you to them for for their stance for life recently. Um, as we look at the fact that the U.S. Nas- national national I'm sorry, I'm going to pronounce this correctly. The U.S. National Academies, the U.K. Royal Society, and the World Health Organization are planning to uh, issue a statement of standards regarding gene editing um, internationally um, after this um, the Chinese uh, use of the CRISPR method to edit genes and two babies were born alive, Luna and Nana. And then there was a uh, paper that is being reviewed right now from London that uh, were... Um, Niakana had Easy for you to say. All right, Niakana <laughs> had and her group had experimented with 25 um, donated embryos um, that were under 14 days, and um, they used they experimented on 18 of them, and eight eight of those had some major abnormality issues. And then after the experiment was done, they destroyed them. And of course, as Catholics, we know that it's not right to experiment on human beings. Um, and we're having to fight this at every level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right now, fortunately, we have a professor, um, Ernov from 
the University of California, Berkeley, that is saying, quote, this is, there's no sugar coating this. This is a restraining order for all genome editors to stay the living daylights away from embryo editing. Wow. And so That's a pretty strong hopefully, statement. <laughs> hopefully then all of these locations will, will listen and will stop doing this. Unfortunately, um, recently the National Institute, I'm sorry, our NIH, um, approved 70 new human embryonic stem cell lines. So we're still looking at that as far mm. as um, there's federal funding going into that project. So please continue to keep that in your prayers. Fortunately, we do have some really good news, um, which Tim mentioned earlier in his in his news report, which is that t- Tennessee has um, has provided has passed a, a bill that is very strong. It prevents abortions after the heartbeat is detected, which is around six weeks um, of gestation. It prevents abortions that are done as far as uh, based on sex, race, or if the child is diagnosed with Down syndrome. It also requires that the mom be able to see her baby in the ultrasound, be allowed to see the baby, and to know her just the gestational age. Um, there's no exception for rape or incest. And also, it prevents abortions after the five-month period, which is um, known as whenever the child can feel pain, which we know that their their nerve endings, um, they can sense touch. They respond to touch by eight weeks gestationally. So um, there's, there's a lot of evidence for pain being felt even that early. Um, also, I wanted to point out. Um, so while I was out on, while my volunteer was out on the sidewalk, a volunteer who also works very, very closely with Abby Johnson, yeah. she worked with this one woman who came out of the abortion facility mm-hmm. here in Houston, and um, the woman had. Um, was really sweet and she looked at the people on the sidewalk praying and she's like, guys, I know that you're all worried, but this isn't a baby. I'm going to have an abortion. It's not a baby. And, and of course the sidewalk counselor's like, well, yeah, it's a baby. Like, did you get an ultrasound? And she's like, yeah. Well, can I see your ultrasound? And so the woman showed her the ultrasound and she had just a, what, a picture of like a circle. And what the abortion facility had done is they had taken a picture of the top of the head. And yeah. so all that they could see was like, the very it looked like a cell. So it looked like a circle. Yeah. And so um, she said, why don't you just come onto this mobile unit? You can do a free ultrasound. And she said, okay, okay, if it makes you feel better. So she came on the bus, on the big blue bus, and yeah. um, they showed her the ultrasound, and she had a beautiful 16-week-old wow. baby. Um, and when she saw the baby, she was like, I'm going to be sick about what I was about to do, because you can see a beautiful image of the full profile of this baby. And so it's very important whenever you, ha- if you have a friend that tells you, oh, well, I saw the ultrasound, see if you can see what they saw. See if they have any pictures. You know, And a lot of times, the abortion facilities will hear that women have to request an actual paper copy, otherwise they will not be given the paper copy. Yeah. And they're actually, we were told by women that they are told to close their ears and, and look away because it'll be easier for them. But the reality is it's not going to, the procedure itself will not be easier for them. And so one other beautiful thing about this abortion uh, prevention law, if you will, in Tennessee is that it requires it requires them to know about the abortion pill reversal mm. hotline and which they have now saved over a thousand babies. They Praise have reached Jesus. the thousand, which means the women themselves have to actually make that call. They're at a 64 percent ish. What's the word I'm looking for? Success rate, which means that's over 1,500 women that have called in looking to stop the abortion process and to get that help for a reversal. So please continue to keep that in your prayers. And also, one last thing, we're waiting on the Supreme Court still uh, regarding the Louisiana case, June Medical Services versus Rousseau, um, which will require that the abortionists actually have hospital privileges within 30 miles and of where they do the abortion. And the reality is that I just, this past week, picked up another 911 call from one of the abortion facilities in oh, this no. area. Uh, just one more. So please, please pray for these women because a lot of people think, oh, they know what they're getting into. It's their quote-unquote choice. Mm. They feel scared. And there is help for them, and they don't realize what they're getting into, and they're trying to do everything that the abortion groups are trying to do everything they can to make it easier and make them not think about what they're doing. Yeah. And so it's very important for us to say this is reality, and we want to help you before you get hurt. Amen. Praise be to Jesus. If you're just joining us, thanks for being a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, we are uh, we're talking about uh, some of the pro-life stories that are in the news, but uh, here in a minute we're going to be speaking with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers from DeaconHerald.com. Uh, and you should check it out. His homily yesterday was really powerful, and it's uh, it's a powerful lens through which we can look at all of the difficult topics that are troubling our society these days. Whether it's racial tension, whether it's uh, you know outrage in the streets, 
or whatever it might be, it's the Catholic perspective, it's the Catholic lens, choosing Christ above all things. And it really was penetrating. Even to me, I was like, wow, that was convicting to me, to choose Christ above all things. You are not worthy of me if you choose mom or dad or how about your politics over me, right? Pick up your cross and follow me. So that'll be the foundation for which we'll have a conversation about a lot of topics today. But before we do that, on the phone with us right now is uh, Patrick Von Dolan, and he is with the San Antonio Family Association. Good morning, Patrick. Patrick, are you there? Patrick, are you there? Hello, Joe. I'm here. I'm here. How Praise be to Jesus. Good to have you on with us, Patrick, uh, San Antonio Family Association. We have just a few minutes with you before we uh, before we go to our conversation with Deacon Harold. And uh, really quickly, let's dive into this petition to save uh, Columbus. We've been seeing a lot of trends all over the country trying to tear down Catholic statues, and there. And I've been encouraged this weekend to see some defense on behalf on, on the part of the lay faithful to defend some of these statues, like in St. Louis over the weekend, for instance. So. What What's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, what's been going on is it's been going on for several years, and there's a movement, especially since 2015, when the United Nations uh, officially approved the San Antonio missions, the five San Antonio missions, as World Heritage sites. And I believe that the City Council and Bear County Commissioners Court, even the Archdiocese at that time, um, went along with it and even lobbied for it because they thought it'd be a great increase in tourism. But it came at a price tag, and that price tag is that the United Nations has put out a document back in 2007 that officially declares that Christianity is the enslaver of the indigenous people. And it's really outrageous, and we posted this on our Facebook and it links to our, our website, SanAntonioFamilyAssociation.com, and San Antonio Family Association on Facebook. But um, so in response to this, there's been some people that go down to city council and they'll put a picture of Columbus up on the screen at the city council meetings and with a Ghostbuster sign through him with all sorts of adjectives that are, that are lies about him, that are propagated mm. by people who uh, have, a dis- have a distorted uh, worldview. And that actually um, have been trying to tear Columbus statue down for some years, and uh, for over 22 years, actually. But what, they're do- what they've done is they've piggybacked on the Black Lives Matter movement and are using that as momentum. And what we've seen at city council sessions in San Antonio is that the chambers have been, um, have had lots of people in it where they're crying for outraged about the treatment of black people by uh, police officers, what they perceive it to be. And, and certainly, uh, George Floyd had a uh, tragic death and to have that happen. But then you saw these uh, people that call themselves indigenous people come in and uh, piggyback on that and use that as a tidal wave to uh, have Columbus statue removed. And so we've, we've, put, we've responded uh, as quickly as we could. We have a petition out there that defends the integrity and the virtue and the, I would say, a life of heroic virtue uh, of Christopher Columbus and puts it out there in a positive way where people can sign it in, anywhere in the, in the state of Texas, actually anywhere in the United States. So what the petition says, if you're a citizen of the United States, you can sign it. And you can send it in. It goes automatically to the mayor and city council and lets them know that Columbus was a man of integrity. There might have been some bad things that happened as a result of him coming, but that's the, that's part of life, is it not? We all have vices to overcome and virtues to pursue, especially people like me. And I know, uh, uh, listen to you, Joe, you, you would admit the same thing. Have <laughs> you been talking so to my wife have, again, we, Patrick? She's been telling <laughs> no, you stories? I've been listening to you. <laughs> you announce uh, on the radio so, pretty routinely. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so we have a we have a tremendous opportunity here to respond in a favorable way. I, I think the Knights Columbus and I'm a, I've been a member of the Knights Columbus since I was 18. I think the Knights Columbus ought to respond in a huge way. We've we've talked to the state council and hopefully they're disseminating this and the city council gets flooded with members of the Knights Columbus, but all people to recognize that Christ, that Columbus was sailing for a purpose and his purpose was uh, to find gold to help uh, fund. To recapture Jerusalem in the Crusades, and it was a, it was an honorable thing to do, and he was looking to do. Could bad things happen? As a result, yes, he was known for telling his men to not to not murder and not, to, to not rape. And but uh, Christopher Columbus can only do so much. He's he's a man, and the yeah. rest requires other people's participation. So there's a there's a Christopher Columbus Society, excuse me, the Christopher Columbus Italian Society, uh, which originally donated the statue back in the early 50s. They um, 
they have worked and and um, made an agreement with the city council to receive it back at the city's expense. And so they're set up. They want okay. they want to receive it back where it's not destroyed. The issue is we're just about out of time now, Patrick. Through. We're just about out of time. Can we get the, to that petition on your website? Absolutely, and San Antonio Family Association dot com on the website. San Antonio Family Association on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I'd like to leave you with one thing that the the uh, it should get people riled up is this is the, the resolution of the United Nations in 2007. If I could real quick, it says Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. It states that all all doctrines, policies, and practices based on based on or advocating superiority of peoples or individuals on the basis of national origin. Our racial, religious, ethnic, or cultural differences are racist. And that is the point, and it goes on. It says that basically Christianity is racist against indigenous people, so people need to stand up. I'm going to have, to, to, gonna have to cut you off there, Patrick. We're going to break, but thank you for being on with us, San Antonio Family Association. Yes, com. Check out that. Uh, we've linked to it on our Facebook feed. Check that out. Maybe consider signing that and be a part of the solution. We'll be right back. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. I had known about the station for a long time, but I have to confess, I never tuned in. Perhaps I was biased, but then that changed, actually. Once I started listening, I, I, I kept the dial where it was at. I like Teresa Tamio and Al Crest. I just like their personalities. Call to Communion with Dr. David Anders and uh, More to Life with Pop Checks. I really, really love the show. I've learned a lot. But, you know, also, I, I really like there's prayers interspersed. I get a lot more praying done in the day that I wouldn't otherwise. We want to support the radio station for sure. The Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Radio. Radio for your soul. Have you seen it yet? Hi, Joe McLean here. I'm talking about the brand new GRNOnline.com website. It is really cool, and I can't wait for you to see this. Just visit GRNOnline.com. Make sure you say yes to knowing your location. I'll tell you why. Because when you do, it will automatically deliver to you your local station, your local events, your local contact information, and more. Again, GRNOnline.com. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. If you have an old gas guzzler you want to get rid of, the Guadalupe Radio Network would love to have it. To donate it to us, you can either call 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Again, that's 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Even better, we'll come pick it up for you and give you a tax receipt so you can write it off. What a great way to help others and support the Guadalupe Radio Network. May God abundantly bless you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's always good to be on with you on every Monday. Dave Palmer hosts the Friday show. I host the uh, the Monday show. And if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, thanks. We had a crash a minute ago, so a little hiccup, but I think we're back up and running now. It's uh, if you need to you know, if you need to assign some blame for that, Adrian Fonseca, our intern, will be happy <laughs> happy. To take that, Adrian. Thanks for well. Thanks for I, I think I actually deserve a raise because uh, it crashed on its own and I fixed it. Well, whatever you're Ooh. getting paid now, multiply that by two, and there you go. Praise God. Praise uh, God. <laughs> I, I want to mention if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, with the Summer Speaker Series is coming up, and uh, Monsignor Charles Pope is the uh, the keynote speaker at that event. You should log on to grnonline.com and find more information about that and get registered. You can actually stream it live from home. And pizza is involved in that process as well. But the live event is going to be great too at the at the Frontiers of Flight Museum. Go to grnonline.com for more information about that. But joining us by phone right now is uh, the ever dynamic Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Good morning, Deacon. 
Good morning, Joe. How is my brother from another mother doing this morning? <laughs> Praise, good enough for government work, as I always like to say. You know, I, ser- <laughs> I served in the Marine Corps, and that was like our favorite saying, you know, good enough for government work. But uh, anyway, praise Jesus, I'm alive, and that counts. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, you're staying at, staying at home more than you ever have in the past probably three or four or five years now, so that, that's got to be a new experience for you. Yeah, it is. You know, it's... Uh, but you know, it's at first. You know, the j- truth be told, I was a little upset, Joe. <laughs> I mean, I literally was speaking at a parish in Arizona one night, and uh, then this directive came down while I was speaking at the parish mission, and wow. uh, you know, everything shut down. I was on a plane the next day. This was back in early March, and I've been home ever since. So it's it's definitely been um, a trying time. Mm. You know, I've I've seen a seventy three percent drop in income. <laughs> wow, seventy three percent. Same time, yeah, seventy three percent. But at the same time, it's been a real blessing being home mm. with my family, having the girls home from college, and just spending this extended time together. Really having some, um, you know, meaningful conversations and having dinner together every night and. And now we're finding all these things. We're, we're planting a garden. We're painting the inside of our house. We're doing all these things now. It's, the honeydew it's, it's list is quite wonderful. long, is what you're saying. That's what I heard. The honeydew well, list is long. They're doing most of it. <laughs> they're doing most of it. I'm, <laughs> I'm cooking, though. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, I like to cook, so I'm doing more cooking. I cooked, I think, three times last week and wow. uh, and last night. I'm scared of you. Last night as well. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's been it's been really wonderful. You know, the other thing, Joe, for me personally... Um, I, I see this time as kind of a spiritual stop sign. Mm. You know, when you're driving your car, you get to a stop sign, you have to stop and look both ways before you proceed. And I'm like, okay, so here I am. Here I'm at this certain point in my life, and, you know, God kind of put a spiritual uh, stop sign in the road with this coronavirus and pandemic and, and uh, social distancing and lockdown. And I, I said, okay, let me, let me take a look left. Let me take a look right. Where did I come from? How did I get here? Where am I going? So it's really been a time of, of introspection. Mm. It's been a time of deeper prayer. It's been a time of, okay, Lord, what, what do I do now? You know, obviously things are going to be different moving forward now from what I had anticipated how my work in the Lord's vineyard was going to go. So what is that going to look like now, Lord? I mean, how do I adapt to this? And, you know, it's really been a, a, a very interesting, prayerful time a, as well. We're talking with Deacon Haroldberg Sivers, the dynamic deacon. And, uh, you know, Deacon, yesterday I was, I, I got a hold of your homily from yesterday and it really penetrated my heart. In fact, uh, uh, we made a spiritual communion yesterday and, uh, part of our communion was listening to your homily as a family. You know, and it, these are vitriolic, divisive days that we are living in. And there's great spiritual fruit to be had from it. And one of the things that we've realized, uh, you know, the last several months is how much the body of Christ, without even thinking about it, might choose a different lens to look at the world. They might not think about it or consider it, but they're really, in the, at the end of the day, uh, you know, they're really choosing this other lens. It could be a political lens. It could be a lens of fear. It could be a lens of something else, uh, pragmatism or something. I don't even know. But there's lots of lenses in the world. And, you know, I've always been a little bit naive in that I, I, all I really want is I believe Jesus Christ when he said, go and make disciples of the whole world i just think we ought to that's that's what he said that's what we should do and it seems there's so much divisiveness but when you said in your homily reiterating the words from matthew chapter 10 if you love father and mother more than me you are not worthy of me like the just listening to that in that first opening line of your homily you are not worthy of me that was like a ton of bricks on me and then you go on to 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 separate that and and it was just a powerful homily. So I wanted to say, let's start there. Let's go there in our conversation and, and let you sort of comment on that. And may, not, maybe not re-give the homily again, but like, do you see it as I've just explained it to you? Do you see the same thing in our world today? Do, do we as Catholics by default tend to choose other lenses other than our Catholic faith to interpret that which is around us? Yeah, I think so, Joe. And truth be told, that was, that homily was uh, basically one of Monsignor 
Charles Pope's blogs that <laughs> you didn't need to say that nobody would have known nobody would have known that yeah I know I know because uh, you know usually because I, I I read Monsignors and, and I was and I was preparing for my homily I I saw his blog I'm like whoa that nails it I mean that's it does. exactly the way I would have said it <laughs> but but no but it's true Joe I mean for example uh, boy these last couple of weeks it was some hard teachings by Jesus you know yeah. it really makes you kind of step back but this has been the experience of many many people Joe I know. For example, when I was visiting seminaries, I speak with seminarians, and I was like, wow, I hear the vocation story. And I said, you know, what, what was the biggest inhibitor, inhibitor of your vocation? And I was surprised how many of them said their parents. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't they the ones that are supposed to be encouraging your vocation? And I'm sure this, the same is, uh, uh, you know, there's the similar stories from women who join, you know, uh, convents and, uh, men who, who also join religious orders and things like that, where they have to say, sorry, mom, dad, you know, I, I, I love you. I, I love everything you did for me. I appreciate everything you did up to this point, but I have to follow God. I know you want grandkids, right? but I have to follow God's voice in this one. And, um, you know, that's just a small example, but, but now if you, you know, extrapolate that and look at what's going on in our culture today, um, the culture says, you know, with response to race, you put knock down statues and, burn this and loot that and and uh the artist says no we have to follow jesus christ <laughs> yeah. and that's not how jesus responded um uh, or teaches us how to respond mm. he says uh love your enemies pray for those who persecute you and that's difficult to do you know when, when <laughs> the emotions yeah. and stuff uh take over so but we have to uh, so we have to put on the mind of christ when we're addressing these things it, you're right. It is hard to do, isn't it, to love your enemies? Uh, boy, that, it's it's nice on a Hallmark card. Reads well when you're, you know, reading the gospel. Uh, but to, to live that out in reality is not very easy to do. And I think it's something I personally have to remind myself constantly to is to pray for those that would persecute me and pray for those that would uh, have a differing opinion of, of mine even. But it, going back to the core of the of the uh, of the homily that you gave or Monsignor's blog post to choose Christ above all things. You know, think about the the, the topic, the divisive topic of racism today. Uh, you're a man of color. I'm uh, I'm a white man. Does it matter that I grew up in one of the most Hispanic cities on planet Earth, or at least in the United States? Does it matter that I had uh, uh, black stepfathers all growing up? Or who my best friends were? Does that make any difference? No, to the world it doesn't matter what my experiences were or were not. But do I look at the world through the eyes of Christ? And do I see, as St. Teresa of Calcutta saw, Christ in other people? I think to me that's the only real question. What say you, Deacon Harold? Well, I think that's absolutely one of the keys. If if we, in, a, in an authentically Catholic response, to racism is definitely uh, seeing God in the other people. You know, um, these racist ideologies uh, create images um, that leave negative impressions, you know, on, on vulnerable minds and hearts, especially yes. those of children. You know, you Steals their innocence, I would say. Like, hey, I don't care what color you are. Let's just have fun because we're kids. Mm. So these, these things that they learn uh, about, uh, these racist things and prejudice, prejudiced opinions are learned. So we need to recognize our own prejudices and, and racial attitudes that we have within us. We have to acknowledge them and then work hard to crucify that way of thinking. Mm. Uh, and instead, see the image and likeness of God and the other person standing in front of us. Um, so we got to stop supporting things like the media outlets and individuals and organizations that create, encourage, and perpetuate um, racist stereotypes or proposed violence and anarchy as solutions to those those problems. Again, we have yeah. to think like Christ. We cannot think like the culture. We have to think and focus our our, uh, our way, the way we live and how we think on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's an excellent point too. I made this point last week about uh, being unequally yoked. You know, it's like there, on one hand, we do wish as Catholics to pursue justice for all people. Uh, you could say especially for people of color. Praise be to Jesus. I'm okay with that. But yet at the same time, does that mean that at all, uh, at all costs, 
Does that mean that I sh- that we should co- collaborate with organizations that might have uh, a, a viewpoint, a philosophy, an ideology that is clearly uh, contrary to what we believe as as faithful? So, is there a can you Deacon? Is there a way for Catholics to to really? Bridge that gap? Can we rationalize cooperation with organizations that, for instance, want to destroy the traditional family as being a man and a wife married and uh, raising children? Uh, if they wanted to destroy that, should we cooperate? Even if they have good, uh, if they, if their goals are good, but they, what they believe at their heart is completely contrary to what we believe. Should we cooperate with those organizations? Is that even possible for us? No, absolutely not. There's no way that we could. I mean, we can't participate in so-called Pride Month, uh, things like that. We cannot participate in organizations um, uh, that really tear at the fabric of a culture of life, that try to destroy uh, a Christian way of approaching and looking at, at at life. You know, we we can't. We have to have our voices heard in the public square. And if we remove ourselves or embarrass about speaking about these things publicly and afraid to, to live our faith, you know, where if we're going to be missing, the devil's going to fill in the gap. Mm. So so we have to be there. We have to stand up for the... I mean, there's the solemnity of Peter and Paul. These are guys that died rather than deny Jesus. Yeah. You know, so... And, and so God is not asking us, at least in our country, now, yes, our brothers and sisters in, on the continent of Africa, like Nigeria, for example, mm. or in China, yes, these people are literally dying for their faith. He's yeah. asking us to die to ourselves, to die to ourselves, to die to a way of thinking that yokes us to a, to a worldly approach to life. We have to yoke ourselves to Christ. And, uh, in fact, that's something that's going to be coming up in the gospel this coming weekend. Um, uh, so, so that's the key, Joe, not to be afraid to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, Even spe- it means we're unpopular. Speaking of not being afraid to to follow Jesus Christ, I I was very moved by your testimony that you gave at St. Michael's whenever you talked about your transition from working with security systems where you were working with these billion dollar companies to to another you know focus. And I was wondering if you could just kind of touch on that and where you drew your strength from because I know we always talk about the sacraments and the rosary, but I think in actually walking that faith walk and taking that journey, um, I think that I would. Really really love to hear that advice because I feel like there's something very rudimentary in in that act of faith and trust as we step forward in, in this new time frame. Yeah, I spent 23 years in a law enforcement public safety career and, um, you know, uh, and, and that well, I was very, very happy. Um, I was a very fruitful and productive time uh, in, in my in my life. And never thought of actually leaving. You know, I was also a deacon in a parish, and, you know, it was balanced. I was doing, you know, uh, EWTN television and things like that. It's like, okay, great. But then God, you know, really uh, put it into my heart that he wanted me to leave that mm-hmm. to speak and to write full time. And I'm like, no, Lord, that's okay. I'm good. <laughs> These things are good the way they are right now. And he was like, no, deacon, I need you to do this. You know, I'm like, no. He's like, yes. But it was really an adoration, mm-hmm. uh, be honest with you, where God really broke broke up my heart. And, and it's scary, I mm. mean, to leave something that's secure and that, you know, that uh, then it's not like I was, you know, d- discouraged or just, you know, oh, I can't stand going this job. Today. I really look forward to it. But Lord had a different plan. And so finding the courage to do that. And, mm. and so I talk with people who I love and trust, and most especially my wife. And, and, uh, it was quite frankly, it was because in the end, it was her encouragement, her love and support. And the fact that she said, we're in this together. Wow. Is what gave me the courage to, to finally make the move, which is obviously, I think the best thing I could have ever done. Yeah. Uh, in my life. It's been, uh, it's been amazing. Not just the, the place I get to go and things that I'm doing, but the family life. Mm. You know, I think it's been enriched and blessed. Um, because of this, so I, and plus getting to meet you, Joe. I mean, if we, if we, if, if we, if we put on the same suit, people think we're twins, man. <laughs> You're Arnold and I'm Danny, right? That's probably the relationship. But, uh, we're talking with the dynamic deacon, deacon Harold Burke Sivers about, uh, some very difficult topics, to be honest with you. And, uh, I know our, our audience has really, uh, reached out to us, especially over the weekend, and they said they wanted to hear more conversation about this. And so we're glad to have deacon Harold on talking about 
about Matthew chapter 10, his homily yesterday of, uh, you know, accepting Jesus above all things. In other words, before we are citizens of the United States or citizens of planet Earth, we, we are hopefully going to become saints in heaven for all eternity. That is our goal. That is our mission. That is our journey. And we need to be about that. And it was a powerful homily and I'm so glad you gave it. But I want to transition a little bit because we have about, I don't know, five or six, seven minutes before we go off radio. We'll stay on social media for another half hour, but we go off radio here in about another seven minutes. I remember, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, there was video that leaked out to the press of Marines in Afghanistan who were defecating or urinating on the bodies of their enemies. And I was I was disgusted by this video. I, I was horrified. I served in the Marine Corps. And I wasn't a good Marine. I didn't serve with, you know, like, I wasn't the best Marine at all. I was a terrible Marine. But I still served. I earned the title and I served. And it disgusted me to see these Marines do this. Well, how can you say that? Th- these enemies would have killed these Marines easy. Yes. But we have to fight. But we don't have to condescend to an animalistic, you know, crazy mentality. We can fight with honor. That was always my philosophy. I imagine, and I want to give you the, like the last five minutes, Deacon, that I imagine as a former police officer, as a, as a man of God, as an evangelist of the Catholic faith, you you must have some feeling about what it's like to watch video of, uh, of especially what came out of Minneapolis. Uh, but yet at the same time, I don't want to burn down the United States Marine Corps. How do you feel about it? Well, you know, like, like everyone, Joe, I'm, I was absolutely sickened, uh, by the events of the past weeks and quite frankly, over the past months and several years. Uh, you know, and the solution to what, and especially seeing people, the, 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 not just the, the unjust, uh, killings, um, but the, the, what our country's been experiencing, the rioting, the looting, the vandalism. It's just, it's absolutely heartbreaking to see. Um, and so, you know, but, and then people are talking about, well, defund the police, defund the police. You know, that, that, to me, that makes no sense. Reform and rebuilding? Absolutely. Yeah. Defunding? No. I think yeah. the idea of defunding police departments is, is, in my opinion, a far reaching overreaction. Mm. I think it's short sighted and quite frankly irresponsible. Um, I mean, think, think about it. Uh, there are dangerous people, evil people out there, people who follow, the, the way to thinking of the world and, and the devil don't follow, uh, you know, a Christian way of thinking. That person comes to your front door and endangers your family. You're going to call politicians, activists. Good luck. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, you're going to call a man or a woman who took an oath to uphold the law and to give their life mm. if necessary to protect you and your family. Um, and what exactly what are you going to cut? Are you going to cut homicide investigations, sex mm. crimes and human trafficking? Identity theft, drug and uh, gang intervention. You see, here's the thing, Joe. Policing is a vocation and a calling from God. Amen. And Jesus himself says, greater love than no man to lay down his life for his friends. Most of the officers, especially ones I work with over the years, are excellent. They work hard every day to serve and protect and to give their lives, if necessary, for the people in their care. Now, think about the analogy, Joe. If there were a serial arsonist, who were killing dozens of people by burning them alive in their buildings. And it's discovered that these arsonists are firefighters. No one would think, well, let's defund the fire departments because of the actions of a few rogue firemen. And no one's calling to defund physicians because some doctors perform abortions or euthanize their patients. Right. (laughs) You know, police are not trained to kneel on people's necks or shoot people in the back. In fact, they're trained not to. You know, no one's more... Yeah, no one's more angry uh, than what's been going on than good cops. Right. <laughs> Just like the priests are angry about the few priests who abuse children. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, we have to look at, we, yeah, we have to look at this from, from perspective. We have to drop the emotion and start thinking. I completely agree that thing. In fact, I spent six years in a servant and government appointed position where I was on a board that oversaw the training of police officers for the state of Oregon. So I'm intimately familiar without police officers are trained. And I'll be the first one to stand up and say that things need to be reformed. Yeah, um, amen. But, uh, but, but, but by responding with violence and hatred and, and vitriol, right. 
does absolutely nothing to to move the the conversation forward. Yeah, well, we, I, we have about three minutes left. That's all I want to say. Go ahead. Okay, just real quick. So I I even saw an interview recently from Chop, <laughs> where a woman w- who had pro- who had participated in the protest was really upset because she was a because of the timing. In response to emergency calls, she's like, they're not coming in a speedy manner. And I'm like, y'all are blocking them. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things that we need to keep in mind. I'm, I'm hearing more and more ads on the radio for if you call 911, you need to listen to what we're telling you to do. Don't do something else. And it's similar if you get pulled over. I mean, like if if the police officer is telling you to do something, as long as don't it's resist. not. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Don't. Just do whatever you feel like in the yeah. moment. Yeah. All right. So it's a difficult topic. We have about two minutes left before we have to say goodbye to the radio side. So if you're hanging out with us and you want to hear the rest of the conversation, you got to get on to either Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. You can find us on all three of those platforms by searching for at GRN online. And uh, you'll be able to hang out for the after show, as we call it. But uh, Deacon Harold, why don't we pause the conversation there and let's uh, finish out with what can we do to help you in this time? You said 70 percent pay cut uh, in this pandemic. That's a very serious thing when you've uh, when you've got kids in Catholic schools and the rest. So is there anything we, our audience can do to, to assist you in this time? Uh, no, we're good. I mean, one, one thing God uh, gave me a head for business, if you will. I was an economics and business major in college, and so um, you know that other twenty five, the twenty five percent we're we're living on is good. I mean, I, I I structured things so that I have passive income, and so uh, so we're good for now. And uh, so you know, I'm just re my whole schedule is being reworked and stuff like that. But if people do want to donate, just go to my website, you can Harold dot com there's a donate button there and, and um you know you can go ahead and, and uh make a gift that'd be awesome make sure you also uh check out his youtube channel and uh subscribe and uh share his content it's always very insightful and powerful again that homily from yesterday was really really good so i, I encourage you to check that out in the after show i want to sort of talk about uh fatherhood the attack on fatherhood and how that is a major issue in a lot of what we're dealing with only we're not dealing it through the lens of jesus Christ, we're dealing it through uh, a worldly lens, which is never going to be the answer. And I'd love for you to to talk to that or address that or respond to that in the after show. Other, but uh, with that said, I want to thank Deacon Harold Burke Sivers for being on with us during the radio portion of the GRN Alive Monday edition. DeaconHerald.com is the website. DeaconHerald.com. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, Deacon, thanks for being on. Honored to be with you, Joe. Thanks for having me. All right, so sit tight. We'll do the after show here in a moment. Otherwise, thanks for being a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. I know that there were a lot of people that uh, responded to us over the weekend, and we heard your prayers. We heard your comments. We heard your feedback. Whether you agreed or not agreed, we heard you, and we're grateful to you. If you want to know what I'm talking about, go to grnonline.com. And then scroll down to the events section, and you'll see the official GRN statement for the Morning Glory program. And you can read that. That's our position, and that's where we stand. We are praying for you. We are praying for everyone. We wish, as God wishes, for all to come to a knowledge of salvation, for peace to be among all of us in these difficult days. Hold fast to Christ, because without Him, without Him, there is nothing else. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we hold on to. And we're asking you to do the same in these crazy, crazy times. Amen? We're praying for you. We hope you pray for us. We'll see you in the after show here at grnonline.com and on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at grnonline. God bless you. We'll see you there. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go this week. A survey of top corporate CEOs shows over 90% are looking for employee skills that come from a liberal arts education. Clear communication, critical, creative, and ethical thinking. That's what the multidisciplinary MLA degree at the University of St. Thomas delivers. 
I'm Tom Baird, Director of UST's Master in Liberal Arts. I look forward to designing a program just for you. Flexible, personal, powerful education at Houston's Catholic University. Just Google UST slash MLA and search no further. Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints.